My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking to Rachel Freeman Sowers. Um, this week is a uh, recording of an interview that I did with Rachel. Um, it's been now maybe a month ago, um, but it came out on her channel maybe a week ago or so. So it's coming out a little bit later, but we talked about all sorts of things. Rachel is a therapist and she has a podcast called Road to Radical Visibility. And it's all about helping especially queer people to live fully um, in their own skin and to dump some of those messages or all of those messages of rejection and shame and not good enoughness. Um, so anyway, we had a great little conversation and that's what this episode is. It's a recording, um, of the episode that went on her feed. So you're going to hear that now and I will talk with you again, uh, next week. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to another episode of Road to Radical Visibility. My name is Rachel Freeman Sowers, also known as the Break Free Bitch, because I am passionate about helping people just like you break free from the toxic social constructs, expectations, and beliefs that are keeping you from experiencing your life exactly the way that you want to. And if you've hung out here for very long, you'll know my personal and professional motto is being 100% yourself 100% of the time, no shame or guilt needed. I have another kick-ass guest. I know I say that every time and every single one of them is kick-ass, but today is going to be different. And I'm really excited sharing this person that I've met with you. I'm really excited that they are going to be sharing their story here on the road to radical visibility. And it just makes my heart really um, full. Um, it makes me even a little bit, emo- little bit emotional. But before that all happens, because you know we got to Hold up one second. I want to introduce my guest to you. Um, And so I'm going to read her bio right now. Esther Lowen is a California transplant from Walla Walla, Washington, where she has lived most of her life. She gives her heart and soul to expanding inclusion in the world, pressing to create more room at the table of life. Esther's professional life has been filled with 16 years of ordained pastoral ministry in the Protestant Christian Church, authoring a book about keeping secrets, going to want to know more about that, and earning a master's degree in leadership from Fuller Seminary in Pasadena. Also currently works as a trainee marriage and family therapist at the LGBTQ Center of the Desert in Palm Springs, while pursuing a master's degree in Alliant International at Alliant International University. She also produces and hosts the podcast Transgender Woman Talking. We're going to talk about that too. Esther is married to Paige, her life partner of 17 years. They have the joy of parenting two brilliant, creative, and energetic and empathic children, Fen and Sawyer. Welcome to the show, Esther. Thank you so much for being my guest. Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you and it's great to be with you. And hello, radical, uh, radical inclusion, radical, radical Rad- visibility mm-hmm. listeners. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's radical visibility is part of the inclusion, right? And so right. that just leads into my very first question that I ask all of my guests. What does radical visibility mean to you? Um... Gosh, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, what uh, is 
determined radical um, mm. is a lot of times uh, determined by the culture that we're living in. And so yes. I'm very visible as a trans woman. Um, and um, and sometimes that's uh, just being visible, like putting gas in my car is mm. considered radical. And so there's a part of me that's like, okay, um, I mean, I guess if you need it to be radical for me to be visible, I will be radical. Uh, but, but really, like, I'm just, you know, parenting and doing what I need to do. Um, but uh, so there's, th- there's that part of it. Um, but also, like, yeah, I think that uh, radical visibility um, can be a gateway to so many of the best things that life has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love that. There's a phrase. I'm not sure even who originally said it, but like, you know, to be known and hated is like our worst fear, mm-hmm. right? Um, to be unknown and to be loved is like, you know, a little bit empty and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the best that life has to offer is to be known and to be loved fully. And that's, that's radical visibility. Like that's what, that's the opportunity that radical visibility brings us is this, you know, a chance to be fully known mm-hmm. and to be fully loved, which is, God, that's the best feeling in the world. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't really know, <laughs> like, I I don't really know a better feeling than that. So it's, yeah. Well, and I love everything that you just said and about, like, being known. And you and I have known each other for quite some time, and I've been so honored and blessed. I mean that from the depths of my heart to watch your journey. And it is about to, that radical visibility is becoming known known to yourself and being seen as yourself in your own life to right allowing mm-hmm. yourself to show up the way that you wanted tell us a little bit about your journey um either through transition or like all of the things because you are an ordained pastor and you know there's a lot of things that go with that too so tell us a little bit of your story yeah so i grew up in Uh, Washington State as a part of uh, a conservative Christian denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Just a little uh, call out to my spiritual tribe. Um, And I I still um, feel connected to and love um, many parts of that culture and that people group, um, even though uh, those feelings are not always mutually shared. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a bit of like, uh, you know, I, I don't really know how it's possible to like overcome, uh, or to like, you know, just forget that like I was, you know, at the top of the heap in some ways in that culture, as long as I continue to pretend to be a man mm-hmm. and I was ordained and I had, a um, you know, I pastored for a long time. I pastored for 10 years at um, the church in Walla Walla. And it's, you know, like 
2,000 members, this huge auditorium. I was in charge of putting together the weekly worship services and, you know, just huge productions every week and lots of technology and volunteers and coordinating of people. And it was like a beautiful job. Um, and I really enjoyed doing the work. And I think that we really helped people. Um, but I was entrusted with a lot. And then I was able to get, I was invited to come and pastor up, uh, down in Southern California. And I was the lead pastor and I was preaching every week, 40 times a year. It was like what I always hoped for. I love I love preaching. I love teaching. Um, and I had a staff. You know, we had five full-time people on staff at the church and a multi-million dollar yearly budget. And, um, and like, it was a lot of the things that I had always wanted, but also like felt, felt called to, like felt like was important. And, um, so, yeah, so I guess it, it, I resent a little bit uh, or maybe a lot that um, me being trans was like, you know, like I checked all the other boxes and I was trusted in all the other ways. But then like this one, you know, really small part of my life that all of a sudden made, negated all the rest of that. And um, so I, I don't. I don't really know if I'm still, a, you know, a Christian or an Adventist. Like, I don't really know. Like, it's hard for me to claim that identity after having gone through that rejection and pain. Um, and maybe maybe I'm just, you know, at a different phase in the grief process. I'm not sure. But, um, but I still, you know, when I came out as trans, um, it, it was a huge grieving process because I, I loved my career and my career was an identity. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm answering your question, right. But like, that's been a huge part of my, you know, journey is, mm -hmm. is experiencing, um, spirituality and religious community in the context of also going through transition as a 39 year old person. Um, now it's three years later, I'm soon to be a 42 year old person. Um, but, uh, I kind of, you know, I, I ended up thrown into this midlife. I, I don't know. I didn't, well, it was, I guess it was kind of like a crisis where I was, given this opportunity to rethink like what I was going to do professionally for the, for the second half of life and um, whether I wanted to continue in, you know, religious work or um, expand that, you know, work or to just shift it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the bio, you read that I, that my sense of, um, that I live for creating inclusion mm -hmm. and that's still, um, the underlying driver in mm -hmm. my life and who I am. Like, I, I love the feeling of helping people know that they have a place and that they're enough and that um, they have something to give and that they're worthy um, and that they're seen. Like, that's, I love that. And when that was able to happen as I was a pastor, it was like I held on to those moments 
Um, sadly, because of the organization, there were times when I was complicit in like um, the opposite direction, I guess, mm -hmm. whatever the opposite of inclusion is, like um, there, I, where I, as a representative of the institution, uh, had to be essentially, you know, take away people's place at the table. And so I, I have a mixed relationship because like what I went through, there are ways in which I put other people through that. Yeah. You know, in some I, sense. I think sometimes all of, well, it's not sometimes all of us do it because of what we're taught to do. Right. And I, I mean, you've mentioned like several little things in here that are, are really good to highlight because we're all in a system and we have that tension, right? I mean, you've talked about religious trauma because, I mean, I've had my own religious trauma um, and how so many of our listeners or the listeners to this podcast have their own religious trauma but don't realize that that's actually what's happened and how we're taught to believe or told to do things in a certain way or be a certain person. And that really can't, doesn't always ring, ring true. And because you want to be true yourself, like you said, everything else is negated. That's mm -hmm. really hard to, to work through. And it takes a long, I don't want to say a long time, but it takes a minute to work through yeah. that. Yeah. It's been very much like grieving, like a death, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it's been, and I've, I've been through, um, the process of, of grief and death before in my life, mm -hmm. multiple times, sometimes really close. And it's conjured that, you know, going through this experience, mm -hmm. there's, there's been, you know, resonance and similarities and, um, yeah, it's, I wish that, um, you know, that wasn't the cost of being visible. Um, and yeah, well, sometimes it is apparently. Mm -hmm. Well, and if that's the cost of being visible, the cost of being visible is denying yourself who you want to be, who you are, how you want to interact in the world for the made up yeah. bullshit constructs of everything else yeah. in the world that says you're not supposed to or whatever, you know, yeah. it's kind of like we say that we wish it wasn't at that cost. And yet we would probably, I doubt if you would change it now, like you're like, no, that could be the cost now because mm -hmm. I love my life more now than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that like the pain of being hidden, um, like during the time when we're hidden, we don't fully appreciate just how painful and just how impactful it is, you know? Yes. Uh, like when we're in that, when we're hiding, when we're not visible, when we're in the closet, you know, whatever you want to call it, like there's real pain and trauma that comes along with that, but it feels safe and it feels comfortable at the moment, like in its own way. And so when we don't have anything to compare it to it, you know, the, the fear of loss is like overwhelming. Um, yes. but absolutely. Yeah. Looking back, it's like, Oh God, there's no comparison. Like 
there's sadly there's pain either way, but you know, like you say, I, you know, I, I, you know, completely um, would choose this pain. Yes. Ab- well, absolutely. Because right. The joy in. is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like that true joy. Like you actually, you're like, holy cow, I didn't know it could feel this free in my body, this free in my, in the way that I want to be interacting. What, um, so here's another question for you. What have been some of the most difficult moments to work through during your transition um, yeah, during your transition, what have been mo- some of those most difficult moments? Um, I mean, certainly grieving the loss of my vocation, um, but we've already kind of touched on that. Um, it's been um, uh, one of the things that's happened, and and you kind of uh, uh, you you know a little bit about this, but it's been painful to. Uh, like politically in America and in other countries across the world, um, uh, trans people have been made into like a political issue in conversation. And maybe we always have been, maybe I haven't been aware of it as much um, until I came out. But I feel like, especially in the last uh, 12 months or so, um, you know, we've become this hot button topic which is astonishing because there's not that many of us and like there's lots of other issues um that would seem more important uh but nevertheless we've become this you know and it's it's a little bit it's been really really hard to be exposed to the conversations that people are having about me you know, indirectly, mm-hmm. uh, and people like me, and to have like either little voice or to not be believed or um, to be like dismissed, or you know, in some cases by extremists to be wished that we didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like, that's uh, that's been really painful to deal with. And it's brought up a lot of fear. Um, you know, I I, I read um, uh, Margaret, Margaret Atwood maybe 10 years ago for the first time, Handmaid's Tale. And like, it was really disturbing then. And I was white male Christian pastor presenting uh, at the time. <laughs> so I, I haven't had the courage to go back and read it now. Uh, after my, you know, having had the lived experience that I've had in the last few years. Um, but I've had lots of visions of Gilead come to mind mm-hmm. um, during this debate, you know, because it feels like, it feels like we're at that kind of level of precipice, at least mm-hmm. for trans people. Like it feels like it just, it feels really fragile and that that's really scary and it feels really hard. And that's, it's a lot to carry around on a day-to-day basis, knowing that these conversations are happening. And also knowing that like, I 
have children to raise and I have a wife and I have clients to support. I have my work to do. And like, I can't engage in all of that. And so it's, that's been really hard to figure out, okay, where are my boundaries? Mm -hmm. Um, How much exposure can I allow for myself? You know, um, there have been moments where like, where there have been days where I, you know, was feeling really strong. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I went in and wrote some comments to support a friend on social media and blah, blah, blah. But then there are lots of other days where it's like, I can't be on there. I can't be reading. Like I've deleted the social media apps from my phone because it's Mm -hmm. just, it's not good for me to constantly be thinking about these conversations that are taking place. And, um, and I, you know, I think a complicating factor as well is that like when, when I was presenting as cisgender, like I never was cisgender, right? When I was presenting as a man, I never was a man. I played one on TV, uh, or like I present, I, I pretended to be one. Um, but, uh, I was exposed over the years, over and over and over again to transphobia, right? For people saying really awful negative things about people like me. Mm-hmm. And at the time that pushed me further into the closet. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, made the, 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 the thought or the possibility of transitioning even further away. Um, one of the things that's happened since I've transitioned is that I don't hear that anymore. Mm. Almost not at all. Like, you know, like, I mean, there are like the, the, the trolls of just the complete assholes mm-hmm. on social media and stuff that say stuff. But like, in terms of actual conversations that are transphobic and, and really disturbing and disgusting, um, I don't hear them anymore. And I used to hear them all the time. And yeah. so that's disconcerting. And it's connected to the political conversation, because it's like, it's a weight to carry to know that all of this talking is happening mm-hmm. about me and people like me that I am not involved in. I'm not able to give a defense. I'm not able to engage. And gosh, worse yet, like some of these conversations, people are like deciding what my life is going to look like going forward. Right. Right. And that, I mean, like, I think, I, I don't know, obviously, what it's like to be a trans trans person, but I do know what it's like to be shamed and shamed and shamed and shamed and shamed, right? And, I'm, and you know, that's what pushed you further back in the closet. That's what helps. Yep. That's what makes everyone else repress what ultimately they may want to, how they want, want to be living their life. I mean, when you hear that these kinds of people are going to hell... And you're like, shit, I might be one of them. I mean, the fourth grade, I went, I kissed a neighbor girl. And I thought for sure I was going to go to hell the very next day. Like, I'm not joking, but I thought for mm-hmm. sure. And it's kind yeah. of like, and you just, you just have so much turmoil within you that's shaped by all of it. Right. And, yeah. and it is about, you don't know, like people are deciding your life and they're not asking you about it. And they're so concerned about your life. They don't, I mean, like, it's like, why don't you mind your own life too? Yeah. And, and pay attention to what you're doing because I'm not doing anything but helping people over here. 
<laughs> you know, a lot of people have discriminated against me in a therapeutic realm where I would have to sit in front of caregivers and they would say like, you know, gay people are going to hell, like lesbians or child molesters to my face. Right. And it's like, this is why I love having this show. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here, because there's got to be an awareness made because this is, this is not acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable at all. We all deserve to live in a way in which we want to live and be honored for being who we are, you know, and it starts with us. Like, what was that moment when you said, I can no longer, I can no longer live as a presenting, you know, cis male in this world. I can't do it. When was that moment? I have, when you said I have to honor myself. Uh, For me, um, it was iterative. So it was, there were, Mm. there were like, you know, steps. Um, Mm. And there were a lot of questions that I needed to answer for myself Mm. in order for it to be really clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I needed to, um, I needed to work through like the philosophical stuff. I know it sounds really nerdy, but like I needed to do that. Like, is this, does this even make sense? Like, is there like, you know, you know, like the difference between sex and gender and gender identity. And, you know, like, does this, does this even make sense? Um, I needed to do like a, I needed to pay attention to and do like an inventory essentially past and present of like, you know, what is my actual gender? Because I'd been so shaped by the culture that I was in and, and those messages of hell and, you know, I have been so like, I didn't even totally know, like what, you know, are my self perceptions here? Like, are these actually accurate? Like, am I somehow deceiving myself so that I had to attend to that? I needed personally, I needed to attend to a realistic um, assessment of what the losses might be. Mm. You know, like, what am I going to lose if I do this? Not that, not that I'm going to, not that I'm going to succumb to those fears, but I needed to have them on the table. Like I needed to know realistically, what am I up against? What's, what's possible. Um, I needed to answer the question, like, is, is it possible? You know, like, you know, I, like I wanted to live my life as a woman for good or for bad. Like, I know that there are lots, uh, like it's, I mean, part of the reason trans women aren't trusted is because we give up privilege in order Mm. to be true to ourselves. And so that is, Mm. that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Um, And it is, it's, that's, it's crazy. Cause like, Mm -hmm. gosh, I, I've, yeah, we can talk a long time about privilege and the privilege that that I've lost, but So, but I had to, I, you know, I had to attend to that too. Like, you know, is this even possible? What I want, you know, would I even be happy with the life that I would be living? You know, it's like, as a, as a white man presenting, it's, you know, imagining what life would be like to live as myself, to live as a woman was a little bit like, well, what would it be like to own a dragon? Like, Mm. well, (laughs) 
you know, yeah. like it's a little bit fanciful. Like we don't, you don't totally know until you take that leap. Um, but that was one. And then finally, I personally, and maybe again, because of all those messages that I had been given as well about, you know, God hating me, I needed to have peace with God. I needed to have a sense of spiritual peace that like, yes, this is the right thing. And so if there was like a domino that toppled, it was that last one. You know, I'd done all the other work. I'd done all those other things. And I was still sort of, you know, I was left at the point of like, yes, um, this is a real thing. This is legitimate. Yes, these are my experiences. This is what I want. Um, I know what I'm going to lose. Um, I, you know, I can, I can, I've tasted what life will feel like and I want it and it's true and it's to me, but it was like, can't, is this okay? Can I do this? And so I actually, I spent a whole, I was still pastoring then and I was going through all this process and processing these questions and praying about it. And I was pastoring at the time and I went on a spiritual retreat up in the foothills outside of my city in Redlands. And we were at this big nature preserve, hundreds and hundreds of acres of hiking trails and stuff. And we spent the whole day out there, um, me with a bunch of colleagues. And we spent a, a big portion of the day, six, six or seven hours of the day, it was spent in silence. And we were just invited to write, write and walk and sit and think and pray and to be alone. Um, and so that, that question was my prayer that day, you know, very explicitly, you know, is this, is this right? Am I right? Is this okay? Can I do this? Um, should I do this? And um, there was a moment where I walked around a corner on one of the trails that I was on and walked into the butterfly garden. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the butterfly garden was there, but there were like just hundreds of butterflies all of a sudden, all these flowers. It was springtime. It was this, this time a little bit earlier in the year, but similar. And there were just butterflies everywhere. And uh, I just started laughing because it was like, it was like, I, I, in that moment, it was like, well, of course, mm. of course, Esther, like, of course, transform, transform, fly, do your thing. You are loved. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I prayed and I laughed and I cried. And, and from that moment, transition for me felt like this isn't like, oh, can I do this and be okay? It was if you don't do this, you're not okay. Like it felt like a calling. It felt like all of a sudden it felt very, very similar to my calling to be a pastor. It was like, no, this is like in some mystical, inexplicable way, God made me this way. And part of my life is to transition. And that's what I'm being asked to do. And and that gave me a lot, like that gave me courage mm -hmm. because then it's like, okay, well, I can face this shit because this is, this isn't just like me, like gratifying this dirty, filthy, lusty right. desire, fucking whatever, like I, whatever people imagine, like, no, this is like, this is who I am. 
So if there was a moment, it was that moment. <laughs> well, and I and loved- I got and I got like marked on my body. You know, I I yeah. that moment I marked because it was so significant. Like mm. it was that was you know I'll hold that with me forever. I love what you said about about turning the corner and it was like, you know, in those moments, it's like, of course, you know, that's one of the things I love hearing. Um, you know, one of the things my clients say often is that they get to a point when they're like, well, of course this is my life. Of course this is happening to me. And I don't mean like this is happening to me in a bad way, but of course I can expand. Of course I can say what I need to say. Of course I can have what I want to have. Of course. You know what? It's just like keeps going and going. Yeah. So tell me um, in the little bit of time that we have left, what have you truly been able to experience because of your transition and what, and what helped you do that? Hmm. Gosh. Uh, So my mind is drawn to my wife. Uh, We've been married, like you said, in the bio for 17 years, almost 18. And, um, uh, you know, transition, the prospect of transition um, is met with different feelings uh, for different couples. So it's not the same for everyone. Um, But in our case our marriage and our intimacy and our connection and our commitment um, has never been stronger, ever. Mm. And, um, you know, she was the first, other than my therapist, that I really hadn't even fully come out to. It was like we were sorting through it, but you know, she was the first one that I actually really came out to. Mm. And, and like, honestly, you know, there had been other like coming outs with her over the course of our life. Like she knew all kinds of stuff about me and my life and the things that I've been through. And, um, but like to be present with her in that moment where she fully knew mm-hmm. and where she wasn't running away. Um, in fact, she was happy for me and for us. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything better in life. I mean, to take it back to the beginning of the show, like, I mean, that's that's been you know, our, our deepening relationship has been just irreplaceable. Mm. Um, and it wasn't possible prior to transition because there was this whole part of me Mm -hmm. that I was too scared to, to, I mean, God, I was too scared to even explore it myself, Mm. but certainly too scared to share it with her. I mean, when I told her, what I said was, I'm afraid I might be transgender, which was the truth. Mm-hmm. But like, I had not allowed myself to even be honest with myself for fear of losing her. Yeah. And um, it's only gotten deeper. And well, and the two of you have done your a lot of work. Yeah. Separately, yeah, well, I mean, like, absolutely. 
You've done. Yeah, I mean, it's been there's been a lot of work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, a close second to that in terms of what transition has brought is like, um, you know, I talked about the, you know, that fear, like, what, what am I going to lose? Mm-hmm. Um, that answering that question. And I knew I was going to lose a lot of people. Um, but part of part of the leap of faith that transition became to me was trusting that even in the loss of some relationships, that there would be a community that I didn't know mm-hmm. and that I hadn't really met would be there to catch me and that there would be allies that would show up through the woodwork. And like I was a conservative Christian white man pastor, those people did not feel comfortable being around me or trusting. Like I was not, it wasn't like, I wasn't like, I didn't like, Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go be with the queer community because you know, they are so accepting. And like, there's this portrait that's sometimes painted by the church. And it's like, no, like the queer community for me, they were, it, it was like my safety net. They, like I was, I was rescued and scooped up when I was fucking pushed out of the nest. Yeah. And like, I, so there's so many relationships that I've built and so many new friendships and connections and so many amazing people and stories. Like I work in an LGBTQ um, behavioral health center and I, I mean, my job every week, I'm only, yeah, I'm in school full time still, so I'm only seeing 12 or 15 people a week, but I get to hear these amazing stories about people who lived through incredible times, mm-hmm. dark, who, who set the stage for me, able to, for me to be able to live the life that I'm living now. It's so humbling to get to sit with and to hear stories and experience people like I the the amount of people and community that have shown up through the woodwork has been stunning and it's such a gift and it would absolutely would not have been possible without well i'm so grateful and you're you're part of that you know oh thanks it's it's really has truly been an honor to help guide you through this through your own process and watching you re reconsider and let go of, you know, the beliefs that were taught to us. I mean, they don't just go away just yeah. like that. Like they don't, I mean, like I'm over here as a therapist, been doing therapy for 25 years and I do this kind of work for a living and I help people. And yet at the same time, there are still those things that come because it was, that was taught to us for so long. I mean, I'm 51 years old now. Like that's like five decades. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a long, that's a long time. And like, I, I feel like what you're saying that, you know, all of us at some point in life face a moment when we have, when we have to start making the decisions that honor us and like yours was incremental, right? Some people mm-hmm. just, and it is really how to create that trust, that faith, that, that internal way of being for yourself so that you can say, I'm having the faith that this will show up. I'm trusting this process. I'm trusting myself in the process. And there is a Mm -hmm. way you can grow to trust yourself ultimately. 
Um, you know, and you, you had talked about several times about how even just going out in public was a, a real test for you because there was all the fears that I've heard several times from, from other people yeah. that, you know, that I've worked with. And, you know, every time that you did, you came out just a little bit brighter and you're like, it's just an amazing, it was, it's an yeah. amazing journey to watch, to watch you. I mean, like I want to be here for inclusive inclusivity also. Like, and that's, yeah. uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy that you decided to be a guest on the show, because this yeah. is what I want more of on the show. I want more real lives sh showing up here and saying, Hey, you know, this is how I choose to live. And if you want to live the way you want to, you can, you know, whatever that means mm -hmm. for a yes. person. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you can, yeah. As we wrap up here, we have just a couple more minutes left. But what would you want to tell any other transgendered people who are struggling out there right now? What is something you'd want to tell them? You are enough. Mm -hmm. You can do it. And uh, uh, you may feel regrets or you may feel despair at moments, um, and those are valid. And, and you are enough mm -hmm. and you can do this even yeah. with that. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's my message. Like we need you, mm -hmm. the world needs you, mm -hmm. you have, uh, beautiful, beautiful wisdom and gifts and uh, stories and art and healing to offer the world. Uh, trans people are um, magical and spiritual in a crazy, crazy way. And uh, you have so much to give. And I'm so sorry that we live in a world that um, doesn't honor that all the time or maybe infrequently honors that. Mm -hmm. And yet that doesn't negate the fact. And um, so, so my message to you is, is keep going, take care of yourself, pull people around you um, who love and see you, um, have courage as you um, put up uh, boundaries to protect yourself mm -hmm. and um, just, just hang in there. We, it's gonna, I, I swear it's, it's gonna get better. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it even as dark as it looks sometime. We're going to make it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we're going to love each other along the way. And we're going to be going to love the people who hate us. Um, because it's like, it's infectious and I mean, God, like, you know, how could you not love us? We, are in incredible, incredible people. And I have so much respect and happiness for you. Um, so don't give up. Yeah. I think that's, I love that message. And if you are listening to this episode in your, or watching this episode and you're not trans, but there are points in your life when you feel like you want to give up, you don't have to do anything to deserve or to prove what you want in your life and who you want to be. You do not have to yeah. do that. And, yeah. you know, if you want to, um, keep being encouraged and inspired, um, you know, 
subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're trans, check out Esther's um, podcast that is called Transgender Woman Talking Podcast. Check that out. Um, if you're looking for support, you know, you can reach out to both Esther and myself because we are here to honor who you are and you living your life exactly the way that you want to. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the program, for sticking with me. My name indeed is Elle, and I am a transgender woman talking. I will be back with a new episode next week. As always, I appreciate your reviews, your ratings, um, sharing the show, and just being along for the journey. It means the absolute world to me uh, to know that... uh, this material, these reflections are helpful to you and that there's folks out there that are benefiting from them. So thanks a lot. And I will see you or talk with you again in a week.